Hey everybody, this is Justin Michael Williams with Motivation for Black People, giving you trusted guidance to make your life better. And I have sitting across from me right now, you guys do not understand how excited I am. I have Tia Osho on the line. Say what's up. Hey everybody. And I just said on the line as if you were on the phone (laughs) because I'm so used to interviewing people over the phone. But we're here in person. But we are here. And you guys are in for, I mean, this is probably one of the most special and important episodes that I can give you Mm. because it's letting you know and Tia is going to walk you through step by step that you have more power than you think. And I'm talking about in getting involved in movements, making changes in your community, making changes in your life, making changes in our world and in the planet. So many of us sit back and we're like, what should I do? How do I get involved? What do I need to do? And Tia has led, oh, I mean movement beyond movement and strategize and been here and she's actually a social impact strategist and she's leading multiple initiatives at the intersection of pop culture, art, and social justice, including Build Power, where she consults actor and activist Kendrick Sampson, who I know many of you guys follow on Instagram. Yes. You know, look at him and his amazing work that he does. And many know Tia, and and I think this is probably the place that most of you listeners might know Tia, um, is from the moment she captivated the progressive movement and brought the Black Lives Matter movement to the center of the 2016 U.S. presidential race because she led this historic, if you guys remember the hashtag Say Her Name action. That's right. And she disrupted the Netroots Nation presidential town hall and successfully demanded that presidential candidates address structural racism in their policy platforms. Now, she disrupted some shit, basically. (laughs) So let me tell you, Tia don't play no games. That's right. And she's Absolutely here not. to teach you how you can get involved. And um, really, I think what's most important to me about this episode and why I'm so excited to have Tia here is because so many of you write in saying you're hearing things on this podcast, you're watching things in the news, you're being upset by things that are happening in the world to our people, but you don't know what to do. It all feels like too big of a problem to solve. And Tia is here to show us that, again, you have way more power than you think and a step-by-step approach on how to activate it. So, Tia, thank you. Justin, thank you so much for having me on the show. Yes, an honor. So, I want, you were talking to me before this, before we recorded, Mm -hmm. about how activism started for you with your mama. Yes. So, can you, you got to tell people this story. This is so good, you guys. You got to listen to this story. Yeah, so my mom... Ellen Sims Osho really taught me the power of standing up for myself. And because I grew up in a historically segregated area of Mesa, Arizona. So just imagine that. Okay. Yeah. That's why I said when she said I grew up in Arizona, I was like, they got black people in Arizona. (laughs) Just a few. Okay. And so um, the neighborhood is called Washington Escobedo. And it was literally, you know, the area unincorporated area of town at the time where blacks and Latinos were allowed to live. It's where my mom was born, where I grew up. And she just taught me from a very young age that if it doesn't feel right to you, you don't have to do it. Um, And if there's something wrong or you see something wrong, don't be afraid to speak up about it. Don't be afraid to use your voice to change it. And it comes from and it is rooted in that self-determination. And, you know, this tradition that we have in black communities around black liberation. A lot of times we think about segregation or we get taught that segregation was bad for black people. But actually we had our own doctors, our own grocery stores, our own schools, and we were teaching ourselves and one another and taking care of ourselves and one another because we had to. You told me the story about 
about your mom and her beauty. And you said, oh, what hospital were you born at? Yeah, exactly. I asked my mom when I was like maybe 10 years old, mom, what hospital were you born at? And she's like, girl, I wasn't born in no hospital. Like what? I was born right here at this house. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, you go to the hospital to die. Like if you were <laughs> sick about to die, that's when you went to the hospital. Um, if you're getting ready to have a baby, there's a neighborhood doctor. Okay. The only black doctor in town, he would come to your house and deliver your babies. And that is how my mom was born. My aunt and my uncle all born at 562 North Pasadena street. And And that goes to show like it really just the environment that you grew up in that illustrates how segregated that environment was. Yeah. Completely segregated. And so growing up with that, you know, they made sure that we knew that history and then also just my own kind of like personal bent as an individual, you know, it's like my mom said, I got to do it. I don't have to do it. My mom said, you know, if I feel like something's wrong, something's wrong. And um, I'm going to speak up about it. And so the first action that I ever did actually was um, a petition at my junior high to get more healthy foods added to our uh, school lunch menu, not because I wanted to eat healthy foods necessarily, but because I had a social studies teacher who used to like make like to make fat jokes. And I was like, Nah. And so mm-hmm. go home and told my mom what was happening. And she's like, well, you need to say something about it. And so we literally started a petition, you know, saying, demanding healthier choices in the cafeteria, because I don't want to have to listen to this teacher telling fat jokes and talking about us as lazy. And then I go to the cafeteria and all there is are French fries and ice cream to right. eat. That's not fair. You know what I mean? And just like growing up in that tradition of, you know, being encouraged to use my voice and to speak out. And then honestly, my mom was an acorn organizer. She used to have me on her hip, you know, walking around the neighborhood, literally, literally cleaning up the streets (laughs) and literally, you know, stopping gentrification in its tracks. Um, So that really sparked the fire in me of knowing I know literally that I can do whatever I set my mind to. And then when I see injustice taking place, I speak up about it. I try to figure out what the solution is and I try to speak truth to power, literally to the powers that be about what it is that they need to do differently. And I have just always been like that and have had the opportunity um, to organize on a myriad of different issues throughout my life, both as a volunteer and as an advocate, um, professional advocate, um, because that's just it's How my you, life's yeah, calling. And, and, it's go, and it's just amazing to show and like hats off to your mom. Right. I mean, say her name again. What's your Ellen name? Ellen Sims Oso. Ellen Sims Oso. I mean, that is so important because I think you growing up with that and those words that she told you, like, if something's wrong, say something say about something it. Say something about it. You know? It. And, like, uh, so many of us, I think, I, I would say that I had the complete opposite, mm. you know, in my upbringing. Like, don't talk about it. Everything's okay. Yeah. Pretend yeah. everything's good. Yeah. And a lot of us grow up like that, right? You know? And mm-hmm. so, like... And it's for safety and it's also for self-preservation totally. reasons. Um, I just think that at least from the tradition that I grew up in and my grandmother was the same way. She was like the first black woman allowed to work the polls wow. at our polling precinct at Mesa. Um, there's a risk that you take in speaking out, but there's also the risk that you take in keeping it's silent. Keeping silent. Mm-hmm. That's it. And, and so I think one of the things that really stands out when you're talking about this story around your elementary School it was your elementary school, junior, junior high. Junior high school, your junior high school that I'm seeing just little Tia coming in there, Listen. raising hell <laughs> with in, the, in the cafeteria. <laughs> it was definitely written on like line, like ruled paper. <laughs> the well, double thick. Yeah, exactly. Paper. The thick one. Exactly. <laughs> Petition. But, but I think what that goes to show is like that is something that actually made an impact. Yeah. And in these little spaces in our communities, in our towns, in our home, you know, in the community that we're in, I think so many of us 
we try to look too broad yep. when we're trying to make an impact. And you're looking as a junior high student in your school. And when you're a junior high student, that is your whole world. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. especially back then, there was no social media, nothing like that. Right. We didn't have it was just real that, life God. all the time. Yeah. In real time. <laughs> it was like the playground at home exactly. was like the whole world. So, but like now we have the whole world at our fingertips. Yeah. And we become, I, I was telling you earlier, like almost sometimes backseat, mm-hmm. you know, in the movement. So, Right now, I know you're working on a really cool initiative with Kendrick called Build Power. Yeah. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about that? This is like such an amazing, groundbreaking project. Yeah. So the Build Power initiative um, is really the brainchild of Kendrick Sampson, actor, activist, and uh, Mike De La Rocha at Revolve Impact, where I work as the director of Impact. They've known each other for years, actually. They also were um, on the 2016 campaign trail and going from city to city throughout California, those smaller cities that, you know, people like really pass up listening to voters is how they met um and have continued to work together over the years and we um advise Kendrick on a lot of the uh, work that he does as an activist came out of some conversations with him around how can he use his platform um, more strategically and also focus really on the areas that he's most passionate about, um, namely um, structural violence and structural racism. And we came up with the initiative because we wanted to see, well, you know, a lot of campaigns that feature influencers are about raising awareness yeah. and raising awareness is great. And also it makes people feel very overwhelmed because you hear about all these terrible things that are happening. Very rarely does somebody tell you what you can do about it. Yes. Right. Yep. Um, and then also there are a lot of amazing, this is the thing for me as a, with my background as an organizer, there's amazing work happening on the ground on every issue that you hear about. Right. And but rarely do you hear about the small organization or the small group of activists that are working on that issue. And so how is it that we can literally like shine a light, right? And like the fancy, shiny light of influencers on the work that these grassroots organizations and grassroots um, activists and leaders on the ground are doing. And so that is really the crux of the Build Power Initiative is around um, strategically partnering with grassroots leaders and you helping influencers deepen their understanding through political education, you bring that together, you can really make some structural change happen. Yeah, so this is, to make sure I'm getting it clear, it's using all the, the platform that Kendrick has in just all these different platforms yep. to bring awareness to the organizations that already exist that are doing exactly. good work so you can see how to get involved with those specific causes. Exactly, that how are do you aligned get involved? You. Yep, yeah, exactly. okay, that's super important because I think that a lot of us, I mean, where did I just hear this? So excuse me if I butcher the number, mm-hmm. but I heard something like there are 40,000 um, organizations in the United States. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. That are nonprofit organizations mm-hmm. that focus on social justice issues across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, 40,000. And then they were like, but there's not 40,000 issues. Like, right. There aren't. There are you know, multiple, you know, dozens and hundreds and thousands of organizations yeah. working on different issues. But each organization takes a different tactic. Each organization has a different philosophy. Each organization is working at a different intersection. And that's one of the things that we talk about and teach people in Build Power is there are a lot of different ways that you can be involved on an issue. And it's important for you to understand that. Some things, you know, policy advocacy and going to D.C. or going to a local capital is how, you know, you can really make the most difference. But some things, you know, direct services is how you can make the most difference. Yeah. You know, and so um, all of those thousands of organizations 
you know, they may not all be necessary, but they're not all doing the same thing. Right, right. And But it just goes to show, first of all, like you said, how many organizations there are that you can become, you know, a part of. Exactly, um, and, and support. participate with. Exactly. And also the importance of bringing awareness to all these so, like, people can start working together. Yep. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, exactly. How really can we come together? Piece. Yeah. Exactly. That's um, one of the activities that we've done with Build Power just this last uh, California State Assembly cycle was around supporting the um, Assembly Bill 392, California Act to Save Lives. And that was really in support of a coalition called the Let Us Live Coalition. And we shot a public service announcement. So again, supporting the work of the coalition, um, these are all grassroots organizations that work on this issue around police violence every day. They don't have, you know, the number of 20 different, you know, actors and comedians and athletes to call up, but we do, right? Yeah, and yeah. so just thinking strategically about how we can do things like that. This is so good. Okay, so I know for people listening right now, one of the most important things that we wanted to make sure people take away was advice on understanding how they can, you know, build into their power to start to yes. get involved. And I know that you prepared, I asked Tia before she came, I said, all right. Girl, when you come on here, we can't leave people like they be left feeling like, I want to get involved, but I don't know what to right, do. Right. So Tia created three specific tips that she wants to share with you guys, and we're going to unpack these together. Yeah. So my first tip is that everyone has power and influence. And I think that a lot of times we don't see the power and influence that we have, or we see that certain people who are positioned in our society have power and influence. So actors have power and influence. Our, uh, the governor has power and influence, but actually... Each of us has power and influence in our social circle, in our family, um, in our community. There are people who respect your opinion. This is something, you know, people really don't necessarily see. There are people who respect your opinion greatly and what it is that you have to say on an issue or the things that concern you would help them to think differently or encourage them to take action. Yeah. And and I think this was, it's something when I, when I read this earlier, when, when we were like talking about this, I thought, wow, I was thinking about when I first started this podcast, right? Mm -hmm. Before I started it, I'd be sitting here with my friends, like in my house or whatever. And I remember my friend Jeremy, he's like, Justin's like my personal Oprah. Come on. You know, like (laughs) everybody calls me when they need to know what to do about a certain thing or what they should think about. You know, this is, I'm always the phone call. And now that's kind of become more widespread Mm -hmm. with the podcast. But like, even in the smaller circles of friends and them talking to me Mm -hmm. and then figuring out what to do, like, then they go spread that to their friends exactly. and the people who are looking at them. And so it's so important that we don't stay silent yep. in our social circles. Yep. It ripples out. And yeah. the other thing that I think is really important is even if there's something that you don't know about and we talk about this in Build Power, you can ask a friend to learn with you. You can yes. say, hey, let's find out about this together. Yep. 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 And okay, so a question then about this is what do you say then like for people who are they don't have these kind of political conversations and stuff around their friends that often, or they're nervous to like have these kind of talks with people, or they feel like maybe they don't know everything that they need to know. Like how do people start to break that barrier Mm -hmm. with their friends to start, or even their family, you know, to start to open up conversation, you know, around these topics. Yeah. So one of the things, and I learned this from my mom and then also in just practicing mindfulness is that when you feel that like punch in your gut about mm-hmm, something mm-hmm. is how you know that you need to say something mm-hmm. because you're not feeling that uncomfortable feeling for no reason. It's actually your humanity being called on. Yeah. And so first you feel that feeling and then you need to do a self check around like, okay, well, what is it that I want to do or what is it that I feel compelled to say? So even if it's just 
saying, hey, that's not cool. Hey, that's making me uncomfortable. And these are like very basic things that we do in like teaching tolerance workshops. Just surfacing that discomfort is enough to put everybody on notice, you know, that, hey, that wasn't okay. And if it's in the presence of others, it can actually give other people permission to speak up as well. You'd be really surprised. Um, And then also understanding that that personal conviction that you have is enough for you to go on to, you know, at least take that first step of speaking out or speaking up. You don't have to have all of the answers. That's something that I think that we also get kind of caught up in is like, well, if you're not the one that's going to solve the problem, why are you even making noise? No, mm-hmm. it's, up to, it's up to all of us to solve the problem together, mm-hmm. especially when it's in your family, yeah. especially when it's your friend. These You're in relationship to these people. Yeah. These are the people you have the most influence with. And if they, as long as they've not violated you personally, which is another process that you have to go through, you know, of course, around accountability, um, you actually have the responsibility and the opportunity in that relationship to help them do better. And that is the angle that I would take it from. It's like, hey, actually, I know that you're better than this. I know you're better than this bigoted perception. I know you're better than this misogyny or racism or homophobia. And, you know, I just want to let you know that that's not cool with me. Yeah. And I want you to think about this thing differently. Yeah. And so, and a lot of times when we are, um, I think for the people who grew up on the opposite side of the spectrum, Mm -hmm. you know, like me, like I know when I first started building my power, Mm -hmm. oh my God, I just got it. The build power. I just got, I just got the connection. Got it. When I just, when I started building my power to speak up and to do these kind of things, like so many times people would say things that crossed a boundary with me, but I just would be quiet. Mm -hmm. I don't want to cause any trouble, Mm -hmm. especially if it's a white person. You know what I mean? In the past. And so like, I remember I was at um, this place teaching and this white woman was a student in class, older, I mean, she, older than me. She, you know, I think I was probably like 28 and she was like probably in her 50s mm-hmm. and very nice woman. Like I knew this wasn't her intention, but she was saying like, oh my God, you're in LA. You should meet my daughter. My daughter loves chocolate men mm. in front of everybody. Wow. And I was like, oh, right? Mm-hmm. And I felt that, that feel feeling mm-hmm. that you said. And any, it was the first time that I had spoken up. We were at a table. Everyone was white but me, mm-hmm. you know, wow. and we're at lunch. And I, and I felt it and I thought, actually heard my grandma's voice in my head. And wow. I heard, if you don't say something right now, all these white people that are sitting here are going to think it's okay to do Come this. Come on. They're going to all think it's okay. Mm-hmm. And I just felt that and I got shaky. And I said, in, respectfully, yeah. you know, I was like, yeah. hey, I know that you don't mean this that way, but I just want to let you know how that lands. Yeah. That was not okay. Yeah. And I know you thought you were giving a compliment. Mm-hmm. But you should really like never say something like that again. Yes. It really landed on me. It made yes. me felt fetishized. Mm. Made me, I don't even know your daughter. Mm. And I'm gay. Hello. Well, and like, there's like, that. Like, you right? know, and like, <laughs> like so, you know, anyway. And, and then once I spoke up, what was really interesting is afterwards, mm-hmm. like several other people at the table came up to me and they had said, one of them said, we talked to her afterwards. We had this great conversation. Wow. So it spawned this whole conversation. So you opened up and you made the space for that to happen. Yeah. And otherwise, I wouldn't have said anything. Everybody would have been, Ooh, you right, know what I mean? Right, or right. just glossed it or over. Or they would have felt icky about it, right? But they didn't feel, you know their opportunity to step in or what have you. Like, well, look at how, look at your bravery and the courage that it took and look what it is that you made possible. Yeah. And, and now I always do it, mm-hmm. you know, but it is stepping past that first uncomfortable feeling. Yes. And I love that you said that, like the feeling when you have that in your gut 
is not telling you to be quiet. It's, it's telling you to speak up. And it's not about you knowing the answers or being right. Mm-hmm. It's about you saying your truth. Yep, exactly. You're speaking your truth. Exactly. I call it, it is, it is your humanity calling on you. That yeah. is what it is. So this, I think, you know what, actually, I want to ask you one more question about this. So mm-hmm. when it comes to these um, things coming up that we want to speak up about, I, I know one of the conversations I keep hearing a lot around is, like, is it our responsibility mm-hmm. to teach the, the white people or oh, the other mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. how they're supposed to be Mm -hmm. or like is it another burden that is now placed upon us now not only do I get to be disrespected by you right but also now I have to turn around and be nice and teach you yeah like what do you feel about that conversation so I think it's a really interesting question and I think that when in any situation the person who has been violated it is not their responsibility to turn around and be the teacher I just don't feel that that's true Mm -hmm. um i do think though that if those people are in community with someone it's those people's responsibility to help bring them along and also it is their responsibility to educate themselves um there are so many resources available as far as books as far as you know, online, you know, Google videos. Google is a wonderful thing, honey. Google is great. Yes. That same, yes. a lot of these conversations happen on the internet. And I'm like, this the same time. internet got plenty of resources for you to figure out right. what you did wrong and how to correct it. And then also, I do think that for the people who want to be corrected or they're saying, teach me or I want to learn, they it is incumbent upon them to actually demonstrate that they want to learn. Yeah. Um, because I think that just, you know, really getting really real about it, a lot of people's relationship to black people is exploitative. Yeah. And they have this expectation that we are here to serve them. Yeah. And we're not. No. And so I, if I never decide to teach you anything, that's my prerogative because I am, you know, a free black woman. And if I tell you that you need to go check yourself, you need to go ahead and do that. But I don't have to be, the, be one the one to walk you, you through it. Through. Here's I step one. Here's to. step two. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. because I also... I also think there's like this misperception around race where it's like, oh, every black person is like a racial justice expert. No, Mm-mm. I'm just a person. I Tia also I am personally interested in racial justice and have been a student of movements and systems and anti-racism. Me personally, it just so happens that that's what I've done. Yeah. Um. But what if I didn't? Yeah. You still violated me. I'm still telling you to check yourself. Right. And I and, don't need to know all the steps and the tools. Exactly. And I don't even know why. I just know I that know this is how wrong. I feel. Okay. And now you go figure out exactly. why. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I love that. Thank you. I'm glad I asked you that question. Yeah, and so I think this actually will probably lead pretty perfectly into your second. Yes. Your second tip, which I know you talked about is about starting where you are. Yep. Start right where you are. So, you know, you get online or you're talking to people or, you know, you're driving down, especially if you live in L.A., driving down the street and you see, you know, homeless encampments and you're like, well, what can I do? Or you get overwhelmed to a place where you're not doing anything. Like, there's nothing I can do. That's not true. You need to start where you are. Um, And the area where you are is where you have the most power and the most influence. And also the people that you're connected to are actually the people who are going to help you make the difference that you want to make. I think a really great example of this is um, at churches, you know, and other like spiritual communities. You all are have something in common together. You have a common, you know, kind of belief system and framework. There's definitely something that you can do together on an issue. Yeah. You know, and you can join up together. Um, Another uh, example that I'll share is, you know, some friends of mine, when there were first, like the first kind of uh, immigration raids that were happening in Phoenix, Arizona with uh, Sheriff Joe Arpaio, 
you know, I lived up the street from where they used to do these dragnets and like mm. literally in the grocery store parking lot. And me and my roommates, you know, three black girls, we literally just went outside and started joining the protest. Wow. Nobody had to come and get us. We yeah. didn't look and see, oh, they're Mexican. Yeah. We're not. It's not our problem. Clearly, it is our problem. It's right. the gro- they're at the grocery store parking lot, right? right. This isn't right. We got the popo um, chasing. I don't know if y'all know, can hear this on the microphone, <laughs> but we got the popo uh, helicopter around the neighborhood right now. So excuse that sound, but we're going to keep talking. Go ahead. Um. Yeah. So, yeah, start right exactly where you are. And then see what it is you can do from there. If I had not ever gone outside and joined that protest, I might not have ever been an organizer yeah. in immigrant rights. You know what I mean? But I, again, felt compelled to do something and did the very next best thing that I could do, which was go outside and be in solidarity. Yes, yeah. I love this. This is this is wonderful. And I think it really goes to show um, one of the things that I was uh, paying attention to. Gosh, I think it was Janiya. Um, Jenea Khan. Jenea Khan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jenea Khan was talking about um, if we're only organizing on behalf of our identity, come on, then we're just reframing colonialism mm-hmm. to like work for us, you know, yeah. in our favor. Yeah. And I love that you said this because the issue doesn't have to always just be about organizing around only black issues. No, you know, no. like there's so many issues that are affecting all different kinds of people of color and the environment and just so many different so many systemic things. issues that are coming up that we can be a part of. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that is so key because what we are, what we are is positioned similarly, but affected in different ways. And so the area that you feel led, I feel like it's similar to choosing a profession. The area that you feel led and called to is the area where you're probably going to be able to make the most difference. Yep. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that, um, God, who did we talk about this with? Oh, my God, it was Alicia. Mm-hmm. Um, for, like, literally, I think it's our first podcast episode ever. Wow. So if you scroll all the way back, you see Alicia Garza, and, and she talked about you start by figuring out what your values are. Exactly. And then you go and find an organization or a movement or a cause that, like, is doing work exactly. related to those values. Exactly. Cool. You have to know it starts with you. And it really starts with you and where you are. And yeah. you take that very next step. First, you have to determine that you're going to do something. Yeah. So lately, like for me, I've, I've, I've been paying attention. The thing that kind of cues me in is I've been paying attention to like, what is it that gives me that like feeling in my stomach mm-hmm. when I see something about mm-hmm. it? And the stuff that's been happening with the, I mean, it's been happening forever, but the stuff that is all over the news now around like the police, yeah. you know, and the yeah. injustice that's happening with the police and black people mm-hmm. in our country it just like makes my blood boil like mm-hmm. in a way that some other things don't. Right. You know, and I don't even know why. And I don't need to know why. Right. You don't have to know why. You know, and and it just does. And it's really interesting that like my dad and my grandpa were both cops, you know. Wow. And, like, okay. Just I, I'm sure there's some stuff in there, mm-hmm. you know, that I haven't mm-hmm. unpacked. But like, so now I'm like, okay, what can I do to be involved? So we're having soon on here um, a guy who started an organization or a, an app called Rahim. Okay. If you heard of this, so it's like the first app that helps you like report and track police who are doing um, like injustice okay. in the okay. community and like keeps a log nice. of them. Nice. So okay. anyway, he's coming on the podcast soon, but I'm just looking at other other ways to get involved in that work as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. So cool. So what is your yeah. third tip? So my third tip is understanding your personal power is the key. Mm. And this goes back to, you know, what I was, you know, my foundational principles of my mom telling me, you know, uh, just you have the power 
at least to say no. You have the power to stand up for yourself. You have the power to use your voice. Um, and a lot of knowing that power begins with exercising it for yourself, um, personal discipline, making a changes in your own life and in your own social circle um, is really key because you can, if you feel powerless to do something, that means you don't really know who you are. Yeah. You don't really know, you know, what you're made of, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I think that that is really a key foundational principle that even I personally have just started to actually learn and unpack for myself. I used to really think of myself as, um, you know, I'm a social justice warrior proudly, you know, because that's just who I am. And there's, you know, I stand up for injustice. I help people organize. I help people, communities understand their power. But it has really come up for me in the last few years as I've transitioned out of organizing and political advocacy and into social impact and understanding that me, who I am as a person and this the strategic way that I see things, the kind of critical interventions that I make just instinctively, actually, you know, other people don't. And I make a difference because of who I am and how I'm designed. And I can make a difference in my personal life. I can make a difference in my community. I can make a difference in, you know, the lives of friends and family. Um, So it's even something that I've started to understand, you know, how foundational that person connecting to my personal power is, um, is to my ability to impact change on a larger scale. Mm, This is so important. And this comes back to... Even, I mean, you know, like the purpose of all the work that I'm doing Mm -hmm. is just like to really help us ground into ourselves and our power and who we really are and what we really believe in. And, you know, I think sometimes when we really are able to get in touch with that true essence of who we are, then then the fear of not doing something becomes greater than the fear of doing something. exactly 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 did i say that the right like, way yeah i did yeah, yeah because yeah. you know i know for sure that i'm called to make a difference and actually like you know my personal purpose is advancing justice through love that looks like a lot of different things that i do but that's like my spiritual grounding and my that. foundational advancing purpose justice through love i love that to you And I had to know that. And I had to know that no matter which organization I'm with, no matter what it is that I'm working on, that's what I'm doing. That's how I show up. That's what I'm bringing. And I think all of us like tuning into that um, is going to be key to us being able to continue to stand up to the enormity um, of oppression that we're facing as a society and not just oppression, but, you know, just the instability and the unsustainable practices that we're doing with our environment, all of these different things. We have to know who the hell that we are and that we can make a difference and that we have the right to stand up and make that difference. Um, And that does begin at a very like personal foundational level with ourselves and knowing ourselves. Mm, I love this so much. So recapping number one was everyone has power and influence. Yep. Number two is start with where you are in your community, with your people and wherever you are in your process right now. And number three is understanding that your personal power is actually the key. Is the key. Mm-hmm. If you can yeah. give the people one message before we sign off, Tia, what would it be? The message that I would leave with everyone is you are a divine and creative and powerful being. That is the truth of who you are, no matter the circumstances, no matter how and where you're situated. And understanding that and coming back to that um, as often as we need to is the key to unlocking everything that 
we're up to in our lives and our communities and our world. So happy, Tia. So for anybody who wants to learn more about Tia and her work, you can go to TiaOso.net. We're going to also have that in the description. Awesome. Um, and Tia, I know um, just for people who want to look into what's happening with Build Power and any of the other initiatives you're involved in, do you want to just let them know how to look that stuff up? Yes. So Build Power is B-L-D-P-W-R.com. No vowels. No vowels necessary. And mm-hmm. um, we're that same on social media as well. And then um, the agency that I work for is RevolveImpact.com. And you can find us on um, our website and also on social media at the same Revolve Impact. Cool. Awesome, Tia. Thank you so much for Thank being you, with Justin. us today. And just bringing your wisdom and your deeply rooted personal experience that is now like literally changing lives around the world just like bringing it to all of us you know everybody listening from all over the world and i encourage you listening right now to just take a moment like close your eyes for a second and Mm -hmm. and really think about what you care about don't just listen to this podcast and like okay now on to my day like what is it that you care about in this world? What is the justice that you want to see on this planet for your people, for the people, for all of us? What is it that makes you upset, that makes you angry when you see the way things are happening in the world? And then get on your phone. You're already on it right now while you're listening. And do a quick Google search of what's happening in your community and how you can get involved and how you can show up at a meeting or how you can show up and support and donate or something that makes an impact right where you are. Thank you so much for listening today. It is a great honor to be in your ears. And if you haven't done so already, I encourage you to go to motivationforblackpeople.com. You just put in your name and email address. We never send any spam. We just put one email in your inbox every single week with a new audio guide giving you trusted guidance to make your life better that's unapologetically black, created for us, by us, to lift us higher than ever. This has been Justin Michael Williams, and I will talk to you on the next episode. Bye.